Vernon, Vernon, the heating and cooling specialist. The name says it all. When you focus solely on indoor comfort for 43 years, well, you get really good at it. Get your heating or cooling system tuned by a Vernon specialist today for only $69. Vernon's 60 to 90 minutes of meticulous system inspection guarantees energy savings, or the tune-up is free. Now that's a value. Go to vernonheating.com. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com gift. There's so much going on in episodes 11 and 12 of Twin Peaks that I've, I've barely got time to introduce Mike. Hi, Mike. Hello. Before we have to get straight in to two epic episodes. Yes, uh, I think we should, we, should, we should dive in because they are very plot heavy, aren't they? They are, but very good. And uh, at the end, there's a nice special surprise that we'll come to as well. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. We start with a very strange but a very Lynchian scene where you get some kids playing catch in the uh, in in the in sort of like a front lawn, mm. and um, out of the bushes crawls Miriam. Now Miriam was the uh, woman that witnessed the car accident. I was uh, sure she would be dead. I was well, I was yeah, shocked. Absolutely, Richard Horn had locked her into her own caravan and put the gas on. So yeah, it's very surprising, and and she looked like she'd been in a gas explosion, didn't she? She was real scarred. <laughs> no. I know it was quite. It was a very creepy sight, actually, as she sort of slowly emerged from the bushes. We we move from there to what I'm now calling. Well, I've I've been told it's called the Fat Trout. I didn't know this. This is the trailer park. That's right. It is called the Fat Trout. Yeah, this is Harry Dean Stanton's trailer park. And we sort of cut to a a, a horror movie, and then we cut to Becky screaming. Now Becky is uh, the woman out of Mamma Mia. I can't remember her real name. Yes, I know Amanda she was in Mamma Mia. Seyfried, I think Amanda Seyfried. That's it. Yeah. And and she's screaming and 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 she's sort of um, calling after her her husband who isn't there and she's so mad that she calls her mum Shelley at the double R before yeah. her mum and, and she needs a lift she needs a ride but instead of getting a ride basically she grabs a gun from her trailer and takes the car when Shelley arrives and there's a, a wonderful little chase scene isn't there where Shelley's surprisingly jumps on the car it's great. It's fantastic. It's a wonderful action scene. Suddenly, uh, Becky becomes a stunt driver. It was an excellent action-packed start to the episode, actually. And I, like, I know we're not really talking about which episode is which, but I, episode eleven, yeah. I think, was my favourite of the whole of the whole series so far of the whole I, season I, three. I still think episode eight has a place in my heart, but you're oh, right. Yeah. 11, oh yeah. Eleven for the Twin Peaks purist, for the person that likes the plot. So yeah, really do it. and it had a lot of those Twin Peaks elements. It had weirdness, it had violence, it had scariness. It also had comedy, and it, it really well, rattled it, along. It, we next see Carl, uh, who is obviously Billy Bob Thornton, and he helps Sherry. Now, this is a fantastic scene. This, I think, was my favourite moment of, a, of, of, of the series. Mm. Basically, Carl brings out a whistle, a VW camper van pulls up, 
<laughs> and inside the VW camper van, uh, Shelley rings Norma at the double R and says, what shall I do? She says, we well, ought to try and get hold of Bobby. So you think she's about to use the phone. But no, Carl brings out a CB radio from a, from a side part. Yeah. And has a direct link to the sheriff's office. That's brilliant. This is great. I mean, what what's going on with this Carl character? You know, a lot of people are thinking that he might be a bookhouse boy. Do you remember the bookhouse yep, boys? I do remember the bookhouse um, yeah. I think that could be the case, that maybe he's a book, he's a member. But this is obviously head of operations. Um, yes. And, and, uh, and um, she calls Bobby, who we now know is not only her ex-husband, but also Becky's dad. We finally so, got that confirmed. Also, um, I think it was at this moment that um, Shelley is, is is referred to as Shelley Breeks as well. So we yes, know well, that that's how we that they knew were married. That they were, well, I say ex-husband. They're estranged. They're certainly not together, as we find out later in the episode. No. Becky uh, heads off and she's looking for Stephen and, and basically shoots through a door because she thinks that's where Stephen is. A neighbour comes out to tell them she's not there. And then as the camera cuts away, you see Stephen hiding in the stairwell with... With Alicia Witt. Was originally the character who played Doc Hayward's younger daughter, who you may remember played the piano in one of the, one of the scenes in series one or two. It was a great uh, scene because Leland Palmer kind of sings and dances. It's great. He sings, come on, get up, get, come on, get into oh, trouble, get it, come get on, happy, get happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, classic. That, is, that is a great scene. I mean, she does get referenced in the credit, so we do know that she is playing the same character, but mm. no understanding of why she's there or what she's doing. No, but and the- and it's so funny, isn't it? Because no one actually references, oh, you're Donna Haywood's sister or anything. Yeah. You know, you're just you're just expected to f- figure that out yourself, you know, or not. I suppose. The next time we see Bobby and Shelley, they're with Becky at the Double R. Uh, Becky's sort of, you know, sort of recovering from her incident, and he's kind of crying and. And, and this, it's quite a touching family scene, isn't it? You know, of it is. obviously it's quite a dysfunctional family is having a moment here. And actually, I've got to say, Dana Ashbrook, who plays Bobby, oh. I think he's so good this this series, yeah. you know? He was never my favourite character of the old ones, but I just, I, I love every moment he's on screen now. I think he's excellent. Yeah, and again, a wonderful Lynchian moment. You're getting this wonderful, nice family scene. And then the piece is disturbed, firstly, by Brad who Shelley sees out of the window and and runs after him like a teenager, kisses yeah. him like a teenager. And again, you get another one. And again, this is the great Dana Ashbrook uh, moment. He sort of looks on forlorn as yes. the family is kind of torn apart again. But you kind of see that Shelley hasn't really changed from when no. she was teenage Shelley in the old series. You know, she's still yeah. kind of running off after very dangerous men, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, she was married to Leo, one of the most dangerous men. And then she yep. had an affair with Bobby, pretty dangerous. You know, she's... She likes yeah. trouble, let's put it that way. We know yeah. that. Yeah, and now we know this guy that she's currently into, is he was in an earlier episode and he was a drug mm. dealer. So, yeah, we know yeah. he's bad news. Completely out of the blue, we get a gunshot and a bullet comes through the window of the double R. Now, this was a wonderful kind of, oh my goodness moment, because you had no idea what was going on at this point. Yeah, brilliant. And this whole passage uh, has been talked about to death. If you watch any YouTube channels, if you watch any, if you read any theories, because basically this is, again, one of the more bizarre moments. The The bullet was fired by a kid out of the back of a, of a car. He finds <laughs> a gun in the back seat and uh, mistakenly kind of, you know, shoots uh, because he thinks it's a toy. But then he doesn't exactly look remorseful. <laughs> no, he looks terrifying. He, he looks like he meant it and probably was aiming for somebody, you know, and, yeah. and, and it's a very moment. But the, the key thing is, is that it, as well as this kind of scene of the car, and obviously it stopped traffic on the corner of the, the where the double R is, there is a woman behind beeping her horn throughout the whole scene. This woman 
is shouting and claiming that she's late for dinner. She's got to get home to see her uncle and that her passenger is sick. Now, in again, another zombie-like movement, the passenger kind of comes up out of the passenger seat, appears to throw up this kind of blue version of the Garbanzona, doesn't it? It kind of looks a lot like that, but it's a different colour. And then it, it, it looks like a zombie, doesn't it? It's terrifying. The way that it's filmed is so brilliant. Like, this child just kind of emerges from the dark as he sits yeah. up, you know? Like, you can't see that there is anyone in the passenger seat to begin with. The whole moment is just so bizarre and creepy and yeah. funny at the same time. It's just perfect. You're kind of marvelling at the ridiculousness of this woman shouting mm. and beeping her horn, and then you don't know whether to be freaked out or laugh or grossed out. I mean, it's brilliant. So, again, it's this wonderful bit that Lynch does that says... I'm going to give you this. I'm not going to explain it. I'm going to let you interpret it. It's clearly important, but I'm not going to tell you why for a while. And I know that's a, a running theme about this idea that I know some people are beginning to get frustrated with this series, but we'll talk about that nearer the end, I think. Yes, yes. We cut to Sheriff Truman and Hawk talking in the conference room. They're plotting together to go to this up to this um, place that uh, Bobby's going to take them to. And just in the middle of that, the log lady calls. And she's worried about where they're going. She said there's going to be fire and the log is a fade of fire. We know from reading some of the background that the log lady's husband died in a fire. Uh, And there's lots of speculation that the log is her husband or she thinks it's her husband or that's why the log is scared of fire. It's great that Lynch recorded multiple scenes with her. I really did think she'd be a one and done. It's brilliant. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming both. that when you see all of her scenes, they're all in the exact same shot. She's wearing the same thing. So I'm oh, imagining yeah. he filmed her for like 30 minutes saying all these things and he's kind of yeah. dispersing it across the series, which is lovely. And I, and I do hope that maybe we, we get her a bit more because, again, it's a great classic character. Um, yeah. We get the strange scene of old Jerry Horn running away from the woods. Now, someone pointed out he does look like he's dressed like a woodsman. Yeah, we, oh, he does. Read anything he's... into that? Well, I I wonder if we're supposed to read something into this or if it's supposed to just be comic relief. I have no idea, to be honest. Yeah. You know, that that is like the one the one element of this. I mean, I say the one element of it I don't well, understand. Yeah. It's the one that makes the least sense to me. I'm just like, what? what is the point of this? What is going on? And I, I wonder if it is going to lead to something if he's, you know, because the woods are important in Twin Peaks, yeah. you know, and that maybe he's going to lead them somewhere or he's going to get lost somewhere or yeah. something's going to happen. Yeah. We come back to a nice little scene at the Fat Trout trailer park where Carl basically tells one of the residents, don't sell your blood to raise money. And it's a little, a touching little scene. He pays him for some work and tells him not to bother to pay his rent this month. You know, don't yeah. sell the blood. You know, if you need help, come to me. He's like uh, some sort of guardian angel, isn't he? Well, yeah, oh, that's a good point. Oh gosh, what if what if he's really dead? No, I don't. Yeah, know. I mean, especially that moment with the hit and run where he kind of sees the spirit and he he's there looking after them. You know, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Mm. Then we get the return of Sarah Palmer, and we see her topping up her alcohol at the local convenience store. And then she has a very scary moment. And and this goes back to the first series. Sarah Palmer was the character most people feared because, A, the woman just looks incredibly haggard. And she yeah. has done throughout the whole 20 years. She's just got a, a totally wonderful face that just looks petrified. She she, she, this... she kind of, it feels like she just embodies David Lynch, Grace of yeah. she, she's yeah, there, like There are certain actors and actresses that are, that are and she's totally... Um, she's... I don't know if you remember, she was in Seinfeld. Uh, yeah yeah it was george's mother-in-law and it just didn't quite work 
No, no, because she's just got such a perfect face for David Lynch stuff because yeah. it's kind of unusual and she's strange looking and she's scary looking and she's also quite sympathetic looking and you know she portrays a lot with her facial expressions. And she has this moment in the sh- in the shop. She she fixates on the fact that they've got turkey jerky as well as beef jerky, and then sort of screams and and and, and gives away some more cryptic messages about they are watching you and they're always watching. And yeah. runs out the door without paying, and you get you get the epilogue of that because Lynch likes to extend scenes, and you get the two cashiers sort of going, "Well, that was weird," and "Well, I know where she lives, and I could take the stuff around." One of them says so, and and the next time we see anything, you do see um, Hawk uh, going round there. We'll, we'll come to that in a second. Oh no, he visits Sarah Palmer. Now this is a very classic Twin Peaks moment. You get the old music. Yeah, now, this is the music you always got around the Palmer household. Yeah, always. Um, and you also got the, the the tribute to the ceiling fan, which was always a sign of Bob. Yeah, yeah, the scariest ceiling fan of all time. Yeah, we get a, a nice again another lovely touching scene between Ben Horn and Sheriff Truman at the uh, at the hotel. Um, Sheriff Truman tells tells Ben about Richard. You know, he's his delinquent uh, grandson and how he knocked over a child, killed a child, and put Miriam in the hospital. Ben, quite rightly in his redemption storyline, agrees to pay for the medical treatment and. You know, says that he'll keep Sheriff Truman updated if he sees Richard, though he doubts he will, suggesting that there's either a falling out or a little bit more to that relationship. I don't yeah. know that I trust Ben Horn ever. No, and I think, you know, Harry Truman never used to trust him in the old series. And, and you can see there's a bit of that in his brother as well. He looks, he doesn't, he's not warm towards Ben Horn at all. We find out nothing about the situation with Harry when uh, Ben asks uh, Sheriff Truman about Harry. We just get the same, he's hanging in there. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, so we, we don't know what's going on. We, we know that the actor didn't want to sign on for this series. Uh, so we assume that, you know, this is Lynch's way of, of uh, hopefully developing him back in. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep, yeah. I'll keep you alive. Don't worry about it. Ben gives Sheriff Truman the key that he got back. Now, this is the key that um, was found in Dougie's possession uh, when he regenerated. To give mm-hmm. a term. Uh, and was the original key to the room in um, in in the inn that uh, Agent Cooper was staying in the room he did all his exercises and recordings and was shot in the key is a good is a good kind of metaphor for the series really I mean this is an object that is slowly making its way across all these story strands that started in the lodge and went through Las Vegas and has now made it to the hotel and has now made it into the hands of the police and it's very very slowly kind of working its yeah. way around kind of like we are the last thing is that we get new characters please lynch help me uh (laughs) we get new characters in the roadhouse uh two friends drinking beer uh not the one who had the big rash under her arm that we got a couple of weeks ago two completely new people yeah they talk about another person who's having an affair or not having an affair or i couldn't quite remember what that bit was about Mm. and then a third person joins them and then it merges into the music you know no and no relation to anything that we've seen before that i could work out no i don't think so i i I think that these aren't supposed to be characters that are gonna have a point in the story i think these are clues or scenes that are referencing something else or or maybe they're just funny little set pieces at the end who knows but i i I, i'm assuming we're not supposed to care about who they are i think it's more what they say and what they talk about yeah i've i've read that apparently one rumor or one theory that's come out there on on reddit you know if you love your if you love your reddit uh, stuff is that <laughs> all the scenes in uh, in in that the roadhouse are future scenes 
they're things that have not yet happened. They are in a different timeline. And when you think about it, apart from Shelley, who is the only person who's appeared in the Roadhouse and somewhere else, you probably could be mistaken for thinking that because everything is kind of, you know, the musical acts that, you know, all the things talked about don't fit into the storyline we're seeing in the rest of the show. No, and I think there's something going on with time that's interesting. I, I did read something. My favourite thing I've read on, on Reddit is, mm. you know, there's the map that's going to lead them to this mountain or this oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. time, and it's got a date on it. And that date is the same date that was on a calendar at the very beginning of the series when Dale Cooper was stuck in that weird purple room where everything was kind of jerky, oh, moving yeah. backwards and forth. And that was the day on that calendar, as if to, as if to imply point- that... You've got yeah. to have, like, a magnifying glass to watch this programme. I know, but as if to imply, then, that Dale Cooper is still, at this point, stuck in the law. Yeah. Or that when he leaves and goes back to the real world, he somehow goes back earlier than he should, and his consciousness is still stuck in the lodge, and that's why he's this zombified. Like that, yeah, that's why Dougie is a... Well, you bring us nicely onto Dougie, and would you like to lead us through the, the, the Las Vegas scenes? Yes. Uh, and, again, I, and, and Again, we've got a good bit of plot here. I've got to say, my this was my favourite Dougie stuff that came up yeah. in this episode. It, it felt to me like a conclusion. But anyway, so basically we see Dougie, he's in his office. And basically, the, I think the last thing we saw of these characters, the Mitchum brothers, they were basically mm. out to get Dougie because they had been told by someone else, oh, he's the reason that you're not going to get your big $3 million payout, uh, basically, yeah. or have $33 million, however much it is. So they've got it in for him. But Dougie is now having a meeting with his boss and his boss is like, well, I've got great news for the Mitchum brothers. We're going to write them a check and I want you to deliver it to them. I've already organized the meeting. And, you know, he gives this brain dead Dougie this check, tucks it in his pocket and says, you know, oh, there'll be a car coming for you. You can meet the Mitchum brothers and you can give them their money sort of thing. Little do, does Dougie know that actually the Mitchums are planning on killing him when they meet him. So uh, One thing I noticed is it was the same limo driver that took him home from the casino. <laughs> yes, it was. I don't know how important that is. Well, I think it was just a nice little a nice little nod that he, yeah. he kind of knew Dougie and that's why he helped him get in and out of the car and stuff. And yeah, it, 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 yeah, I mean, we'll get to this in a minute, but there were a lot of previous characters that suddenly turned up for Dougie in this in this yeah. episode. And it almost felt like Dougie's story was coming to an end, I thought here. But anyway, yeah. um, he is about to get into the car to meet the Mitchum brothers when suddenly he sees the the one armed man. He sees Mike, who yeah. you know, in who, who appears in that way where he looks like he's sort of stood on the on the in front of the red curtain, and he's beckoning him, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's beckoning him into a shop. So it's like he's warning him. He's ushering him away from the car and into a shop. And Dougie goes into this shop, but then five minutes later emerges carrying a huge box, and we don't know what is in this box. <laughs> And, it, uh, has it got Gwyneth Paltrow's head in it? Yeah, I know. It's so funny. <laughs> Everyone talked about how this is obviously... This this whole sequence I'm about to describe is very Seven-esque, oh, but with yeah. twists. Oh, yeah. Even including the desert, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So he, he then gets into the limo and the Mitchum Brothers driver... Dr- Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savour our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Drives him out to the desert. 
But meanwhile, the Mitchum brothers, well, one of them in particular is worrying about this meeting. He basically implies, like, I had a dream that this happened and, you know, that we shouldn't kill him. And and he said, if, if, if Dougie is carrying the thing that I dreamed he was carrying, we shouldn't kill him. We shouldn't kill him and all this. Uh, anyway, they meet him. They look at what he's got in the box. And sure enough, it is the thing that Jim Belushi dreamed about. He is carrying a cherry pie. So obviously, huge importance there, the cherry yeah. pie. Um, and this cherry pie literally then saves his life. They find the check. So they've got their money. All of a sudden, they love Dougie. They no longer want to kill him. They're going, I love this guy. And they take him yeah. out for dinner in a wonderful scene. Um, he's he sat there in this bar. Everything's very happy. And music's playing. And they're all tucking into cherry pie. And the brothers say, oh, this is damn good cherry pie. And Dougie yeah. repeats going, so damn good. So close to the line. So close. Yeah. It's just wonderful. And then there's a moment where he's there's almost a recollection there and the piano music kind of slows down and everything kind yeah. of suddenly suddenly there's that brilliant Lynchian feeling of, oh, something big is happening here. And then it just kind of the moment passes and it carries on. It's amazing. And then yeah. he also this this the woman that we saw in episode three, who was the kind of homeless woman who he won loads of money for, suddenly comes up to him also yeah, and gives him a kiss. Mr. Jackpot, wasn't it? She yeah. And she, and she, she hugged she, him and Exactly. She gave him a kiss and a hug and said, Thank you. And she said, This man is amazing, you know, and all of them kind of toast Dougie. And it really felt to me like oh, that's it now. What more can they do with Dougie? Dougie's plot yeah, come arc comes to an end. And actually, that pretty much is all we see of him. He's in the next episode for one minute, like, 30-second scene that's almost like comic relief, isn't it? It's fantastic. So he goes out into the backyard to play catch with his son. His son throws the ball, and it just hits him and bounces <laughs> off him. I'm glad that that's the only bit we got. I don't need many more reminders that Dougie is a vegetable. No, okay. I don't I, need it, but I liked the comedy. But it, it was so clear by this point that, like, okay, Dougie's done, you know, like, and it was yeah. almost like Lynch thought, right, we've got to put something in because it's Carl McLaughlin. He's got to be in every episode. Oh, we'll just shove this little skit in. Like, uh, but it feels like he, it must well, be coming right, to apart an end. Apart from that, he, I mean, we didn't get, we didn't get anything from Evil Coop in these two episodes. No, so no, it's the right. least we've, it's the least we've ever seen Carl McLaughlin in an episode of Twin Peaks. I think was that latest episode where it was that literal that one minute sequence where they're throwing and catching a ball. <laughs> I, can, can I ask you at this point, and I know it's slightly off tangent. What do you think it's going to be that wakes Agent Cooper? God, I absolutely have no idea. I wonder if... Because he's not yet seen anyone he recognises, you know? He's no, not true, yet, yet bumped into a familiar face. And obviously, you know, we're going to get to the FBI characters, but they are obviously very slowly following this trail where they may end up in Las Vegas. Or Hawk and Bobby might somehow find him. Or will they all somehow meet in the middle in the Black Lodge, you know, or something? Because obviously we've got Hawk making his way to this mountain and yeah. you've got, you've got as we'll mention in a minute, you've got the FBI that are, that are sort of dabbling in vortexes and things. And you think actually they could all meet in some sort of other dimension, you know? And there's this theory that yeah. obviously Cooper's consciousness is still trapped there. So who knows? We shall see. Well, as you say, this this date thing becomes important. So, uh, and we we you know we're getting more calendars and clocks and things. So obviously there is more importance around that. But you mentioned uh, the FBI, and we move to South Dakota. Yes. Uh, Gordon and Albert go on a visit with Bill Hastings to where he allegedly met Major Briggs. And again, yeah. this is a wonderful scene. This is pure mythology and fantasy. You get Gordon and Albert going through a fence to, to this area. You, you firstly see a, a, a woodsman kind of 
shifting in the background. I mean, and it's that kind of stop motion thing again. You see him, then you don't, then you see it. Mm. And they wander into this area where um, uh, Gordon gets sort of closely sucked into this vortex. Uh, so the, the sky just kind of starts swirling, similar to episode eight. Um, yeah. You know, it, where you saw the Laura Palmer being being transported down to Earth. Uh, but as he gets more and more into it, what he actually sees is three woodsmen walking down a flight of stairs. Now, we think that one of the woodsmen is the one that entered the radio station. Uh, mm-hmm. The one yeah. at the end. He appears to be holding a gas canister. Now, we know that a, a lot of the lodge stuff comes with the smell of, of, of engine oil. That's right, yeah. As he seems as if he's going to be sucked into the vortex, a vortex Albert pulls him out. Yes, um, and and we don't quite know what would have happened, and, and 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 you know would would that have meant would would that have been the end of Gordon? Well, I wonder, and I I've got a feeling that all these characters are not going to make it to the end of the series. I think yeah. either Albert or Gordon or Diane are they going to bite it at some point? <laughs> That's, well, yeah, there's kind of almost a bit too many, and you, we know unfortunately about uh, Albert's uh, real life situation. Yes, yes, you kind of feel like he's the one that might be. Not be first to gone. What they do when they get there is that there's two things happen. Firstly, they find Ruth Davenport's headless body, and on yeah, her arm yeah. is some writing, which uh, Albert says are coordinates, and he takes a picture. And very quickly after that, you get uh, this very suspicious scene where Diane starts seeing this uh, woodsman approaching the car where um, Bill Hastings is in, in in the back, and then it, it basically just happens that basically the woodsman appears to kind of like suck his head off. I'm guessing, you know, it's the thing we saw in episode eight where the woodsmen will like crunch people's heads and basically yeah. smush them. You know, I think that's what happened to him. And my favorite moment is the moment that follows that when David Lynch's character, Gordon, just looks into the car and just goes, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> they do this weird thing where they show Gordon, Albert shows Gordon the picture of the arm. Diane is there and she's kind of leaning over and memorizing the numbers, but they're kind of. They're kind of almost doing it to try and catch her. I don't know. Did you ever watch the series Hannibal? It reminds me a lot of that, where everything that everyone is saying, there's another layer to it, where they know what each other's thinking, they know what each other's secrets are, and so therefore they're all saying things for show. And it feels a lot like that with all these people. It's like they know, obviously, that she's texting evil Cooper, maybe. Does she know that they know? And and then we move to the next episode, where you get Gordon and Albert inviting Tammy to join the Blue Rose Task Force. Now, this, again, is a a big part of the Twin Peaks uh, mythology. The, the, The Blue Rose Task Force is kind of like your... Kind of like the X Files, I think. Really. Yes. It's kind of these these ideas of all these strange, unexplainable cases, and we find out that um, Gordon set it up. Albert's a member. Philip Jeffries was chosen to lead it. Chet Desmond, uh, played mm. by Chris Isaac, was a member, and so was Agent Cooper. Then we get another wonderful scene, uh, reminiscent of Firewalk with Me. Albert comes into Cooper's room, sorry, to Gordon's room, and he's he's on a date with a very uh, attractive French lady. Yes, uh, and there is the longest stalling set that is in any episode of this series. Yeah. Where Albert basically says, "I need to talk to you," and it takes, I think, a good ten minutes for this woman to get up and get out. I, again, like I know we're not going into episodes, but for me, I mean, I it went from being one of my favorite episodes in part eleven yeah. to one of my least favorites in part twelve. I really was not a fan. I thought that. It was all just overly drawn out and a bit pointless, you know, a lot of this stuff. 
Albert then goes on to tell Gordon about dying text. She got a text saying, have they mentioned Las Vegas? Uh, so that's where we think maybe you're going to get this connection between them and Dougie, that they're going to go, they're going to move to, to Las Vegas, you know, prompted by what we think is evil agent Cooper texting Diane. Yeah. Uh, and the last part of stuff from South Dakota is Diane finally works out that, that she punches the coordinates from Ruth Davenport's arm and it comes up with da, 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 twin peaks. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, that lovely slow reveal of the coordinates coming together, and she enlarges the screen, and it, you get the words "Twin Peaks," and that that was very good. It was really great, and again, you just think, "Oh, good, maybe they maybe that's where they're headed next." But who yeah. knows? I will ask you, Mike, to take us through the surprise guest of the episodes, <laughs> and possibly again one of the weirdest moments in the series. Yeah, I think so. So obviously, the long-awaited Audrey Horn returns. So uh, this this is not perhaps the return of Audrey that everyone was expecting. I no think music. Were, I think everyone was expecting more of a moment, you know, more of an entrance, yeah. more of a a dramatic kind of reveal. And it it was almost like we just cut into the middle of a scene. There was no, like you say, no music. Uh, you suddenly cut to her just in shot and she's like in the middle of a conversation with this man who uh, evidently is her husband who is uh well not the sort of person you would have ever expected audrey to be married to they they have one of the most strange incomprehensible conversations that is so frustrating to listen to and watch um i don't really know how i feel about this scene i don't think i liked it very much and i i I don't know whether it was supposed to be this infuriating she she basically is having a go at her husband who she doesn't seem to love in any way i think they they imply that they've got some sort of marriage of convenience they keep saying they've got a contract um she is shouting at him because he doesn't want to get up and help her and then they both start rattling off names of people like tina billy chuck it's a it is the most infuriating scene of twin peaks so far i would say not least because it's audrey and this is not what people wanted to see of audrey um she's she seems to be this kind of very unhappy naggy housewife which audrey never was and so the whole scene was quite upsetting for many many reasons (laughs) and i'm i'm sure it was a real kind of like i'll give you audrey but not the audrey you want yeah yeah and and you know you what you demand audrey this is what you're getting. For and a it's while. exactly like with everyone, isn't it? All the most beloved characters. Oh, you want Agent Cooper? Well, you're not going to get him. Oh, you want Audrey? Yeah. It, he is absolutely torturing his audience, David Lynch. Yeah. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And for me, this Audrey scene did not work. I, I, I just wanted it to end. <laughs> I just now, I just the, it to Yeah, stop. there are those out there that feel that this is actually Audrey still in the coma. Well, yeah, another good theory I heard as well was that it's therapy and that she's she's basically lost her mind and that that guy isn't her husband. It's her it's her therapist. And they oh, have, like a like, kind of Shutter Island moment, like a real life, you know, yeah. therapy session. And that they have to kind of play out a scene, but she's obsessed Sorry with... Sorry to have ruined this. Shutter Island for a lot of people there. Do apologize. <laughs> yeah, uh, spoiler alert. Sorry about that, yes. Yeah, uh, and she has to play out this scene and he's trying to kind of humour her, but also not wanting to push it too far. And so he keeps saying, look, we've, we've got an agreement. We're not going to do this. Yeah. And, you know, and she's getting more and more mad. Who knows? Or it could be exactly what it looks on the face of it. You know, I guess we'll have to hopefully find out next week. But but, but a lot of people are saying the lack of the music, the lack of, as you say, the 
what we re- I mean, a lot of the characters, although it's been 20 years, a lot of the Twin Peaks characters are very much the same as they used to be. Yes. And so, and the ones that have changed have changed for the better, like Bobby, you know? Yeah. And, and Audrey's was the most gut-wrenching out of every, yeah. every character's return, you know? I think even worse than Dougie, because yeah. it was just it was such an incomprehensible scene as well. That's the but thing. It, it wasn't that, a you know, we, we scene. Kind of... I I kind of hope that it's one of those theories that it's not real, um, because it was it was too bleak to be real. <laughs> there is beginning to be a bit of a backlash. Even sort of some hardcore fans are beginning to kind of go, "What the heck's going on with Dougie? Audrey? Blah blah blah." Are you yeah. getting a little bit nervous yet? Yeah, I think I am one of those hardcore fans that got frustrated. I went from really loving episode 11, like like I said, it was my favourite, to episode 12 was probably my least. A- apart from those brilliant moments with Sarah Palmer, actually, which were just wonderful. Yeah. Um, but I, I am getting frustrated. I, I, it's not even so much the new characters. I don't mind that if it's interesting, if they're interesting set pieces or scenes. Um, you know, episode eight had nothing to do with anything, but it was still interesting. And, yeah, and it was a total departure from everything else. For me, it, it's now that they're not just sacrificing giving stuff away. They're sacrificing it for boring moments. You know, like, I don't yeah. want to see five minutes of Gordon saying goodbye to that woman we don't know. I, I'm happy to not quite understand what's happening um, I'm used to that with Twin Peaks, but the thing is, Twin Peaks used to do that whilst also having charm, whilst also having music and fun yeah. and lovable characters and mood. And this new series has had a lot of that, but this latest episode didn't. And I feel like it's it is it's it's pushing us too far now because I think everyone was willing to give it the benefit of the doubt for the first yeah. half. But now that we're five episodes away, we're literally in the final act, you know. Yeah, we're, we're on the home stretch, they say, yeah. And we've still not got Dougie. We've not got the Audrey we wanted. We've not really had these elements come together yet. Every time it cuts to a scene where we see Dr. Jacoby, I roll my eyes. Every time I cuts yeah. to a scene with Jerry Horn, I roll my eyes. I just want to see important stuff at this point in the season now, I think. Yeah, I, 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 I'm on. I'm, I'm with you. I think I, I, I am getting frustrated, but equally, I'm I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I, I'm one of those people that, yeah, I love series one, but a part of me loved series two as well. And this has that kind of series two feeling. We all knew kind of where it was heading. We knew the chess game was going somewhere, but it took a long time to reveal. But we know we got that satisfying last episode where things did get resolved and and, and, and we got our we got our kind of endings in some senses. I want more. I want another series. So I don't want everything answered. Uh, yeah, and I've no doubt that the last two episodes will probably be b- brilliant, and I think they'll yeah. they'll be weird, but they'll be and they'll be interesting. But but what I don't like are the non-interesting moments, you know. And and I think you know season two is a good example. Like you say, we knew that something was building, we knew that we were headed yeah. somewhere, but it's not enough just to have to sit through hours and hours of dirge. I mean, I, heading, I remember the Nadine, the Nadine cheerleader incidents. Every yeah. time that happened, I was like, oh, for goodness sakes. Because also series one wasn't like that, because even though we had to wait a long time to find out the mystery of who killed Laura Palmer, it didn't matter because everything along the way was so much fun and interesting. Um, whereas, you know, this is what right right now is a similar problem to what I have with programs like Lost, where you're basically only yeah. watching it to find answers. And actually, it's not that and, much and, fun along the way. 
and, and you kind of are worried that the answers won't be what you want. It's not even so much that I'm expecting answers with this or satisfying ones. It's just that I'm expecting it to still be Lynchian. I'm still expecting it to be entertaining, yeah. atmospheric, scary, funny, emotional, all those things that Twin Peaks and David Lynch is good at. There are some episodes like this latest one where there just wasn't enough of that, where there was I was constantly, I was tempted to play it and, on and double speed. For God's sake. And, and and this is where you know the the mysterious eighteen episodes. It's like, well, that's a weird number. You know, that's a number that probably hasn't been done too many times. And you know, okay, you know, we could have cut a lot out of this and got it down to fourteen or fifteen. You know, so yeah, this, this uh, could have yeah, been that, a, maybe a phenomenal twelve episode series. Maybe absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and instead, it's it, there's a there's a little bit of flesh on. There's a little bit of you know. Uh, Empty yeah, flab. We didn't yeah. need fat on there that we didn't need. It's also very hard to make up your mind about this program until it's finished. I feel like absolutely. You know? I, I I do agree. I, I I do think Lynch believes in a beginning, middle, and end. It yes. just goes in different directions to get there. Yes, so yes, we yes. Hold so we're on the home stretch. Uh, we're not quite sure when we'll be back. We might do another episode. We might do another double because if 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 episode thirteen is another weird one. Yes. We might wait two weeks because, you know, we got a lot out of this these two episodes, but not a lot out of the single episodes. We might wait. Well, we might do one next week. You'll have to wait and see. Exactly. In the meantime, you can find us on various social media platforms. You can find me on Twitter at, at The Gary Show. At... I can be found on Twitter at The Movie Mike. And also I have a back. I have a podcast called Back Row Podcast. And you can find us on Twitter at Back Row Films you have your own theories for instance i'd love to know and i'm going to throw this out there on twitter after this show who was in uh sarah palmer's kitchen <laughs> oh my god i know i don't I know. know i've read some theories but i think there's better answers out there oh so i can't wait i'm, I'm... Gonna throw that out on twitter but if you want to get in contact with us do so custard tv reviews at gmail.com with your theories about who was in sarah palmer's kitchen or anything you want to say to me or mike as long as it's complimentary send your abuse to <laughs> i don't care at hotmail.com um, you can download all our podcasts on itunes just search custard tv or talking peaks rate and review us wherever you find us search the custard tv on youtube itunes and facebook Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.